Welcome to Misinformation, hosted by Rebecca Jones and produced by Big Mouth Media. This weekly podcast with Florida COVID whistleblower Rebecca Jones dives into the world of disinformation and how it's hurting America and democracy. Now, here she is, Misinformational. Today is Thursday, October 12th, and you are joining Rebecca Jones and Cindy Banyai for an episode of Misinformational that is going to talk about probably the one thing that I shouldn't talk about, um, <laughs> or that no one should talk about, or that you're not allowed to talk about. I'm not quite sure what the, the rules are here for when we're talking about death and war and destruction. Um, mm. Yeah, I was told by several people, I think you just need to stay away from this topic like because it could hurt you and i was like how could it hurt me and funny enough the people who were like championing israel which is what we're going to talk about were like because the jews in the media will retaliate and i was like wait you're saying that i shouldn't speak about anything involving israel palestine because israel is always right and at the same time you're repeating a harmful jewish trope that if I say anything supportive of Palestinian children, I'll be retaliated against by the Jews who control the media. Holy crap, is that not a mindfuck? Yeah. Um, the whole thing's I, been a mindfuck, to be honest. Yeah, I have, for the last three years, gotten quite comfortable in being the only person willing to say and do what is right, even when it's unpopular. Mm -hmm. Um which if you want to, Cindy, you can give other people an update on that news real quick while I tie my shoe. Actually, yeah. So I before we dive into the clusterfuck that is the Israeli uh, Israeli-Palestinian conflict, I uh, did want to let everybody know that Florida was forced through legal means to do a giant data dump of all of the information that they had to conceal or, or they wanted to conceal about COVID. And there was a lawsuit that was spearheaded by uh, Carlos Guillermo Smith. And I know that the Florida Floridians for government accountability was involved as well. Um, uh, so, and they're like a kind of journalist slash think tank group. And then Carlos Guillermo Smith was a state representative and is running for the Senate, uh, basically saying that Florida, the DeSantis administration had hid the information and they were compelled to put that information back out. So, yeah. and how do you feel about that, Rebecca? That's just no. the question. I love being asked about that. Every time something happens development wise with Florida and COVID data or DeSantis and COVID or whatever, I get a flood of media inquiries and a new round of press to do. And honestly, I've been through this like so many times. It's a, it's a crazy pendulum. Like living like this has felt like a pendulum. This week, I'm going to be hero of this fight. And next week, I'll be villain and, you know, then it'll just go back and forth and I just have to wait through the rounds. And, um, you know, this, this lawsuit that Florida lost, it, it really cannot be understated how big of a deal it is. Um, they got caught lying about what data they were keeping um, and what they had. They falsely claimed that the data was 
because of a change that the governor made in public records now covered under, you know, public records exemptions, which it is not. And they have been compelled to begin reporting again um, at a much lever, much higher level of detail than they were doing. And they have to do so for the next three years. Um, so this losing this lawsuit was a big deal. And uh, one of the things that I was fighting for all those years ago, and I think winning these things is kind of sad. Right. Because all it's it not does, like there's a winner, really. It's like, oh, the public is well, lied to. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, is like, we just proved that they did something very wrong years okay. ago. And now they have to start doing the right thing you know, instead of back when it mattered and would have made a difference. And so that's always like the shitty part of being right about these things. Mm -hmm. And this, like I said, this happens, you know, it happened when I got whistleblower protection. It happened when the IG report came out. It came up, happened when the auditor general's report came out. It happened when the FCHR report came out, when the Miami Herald article came out, when the Sun Sentinel did their coverage on how DeSantis was manipulating data, when the, um, the forgeries to the vaccine recommendation research came out. It's, it's like all the fucking time. And right. um, yeah, so I mean, that was a, a big win. And actually on the same day, I received a notice in the mail. There was supposed to be a hearing last Thursday um, in which Christina Pushaw, who is the oh. deputy press secretary for Ron DeSantis's campaign, uh, was seeking to have the restraining order that I received against her back in 2021 um, deleted from all public records. And I couldn't make that appointment because my son had an orthodontist appointment that I had been waiting like six weeks to get into and I couldn't reschedule it. And because they sent it to my old, old, old address, it got forwarded through like a whole bunch of chain and I got it like two days before I was supposed to go. So I was like, I'm just going to write a letter to the judge saying, look, I can't be here. My son has a specialist appointment that I can't reschedule, but here's why you should deny her request to what they call shield um, her record, because it also includes a criminal charge for violating that restraining order. And so I laid out, you know, like lack of remorse, continued abuse, role as a public figure, um, all these other things. And uh, yeah, he denied it. And so I got the letter uh, the same day this lawsuit was settled saying that I had good um, reason to deny that this be a hidden record. So that was cool, too. Um, but yeah, so it, it happens a lot. And um, the back and forth is like, who would have thought that the mid-management scientist who, you know, lost her career and, you know, endangered her family and endured this unspeakable shit to tell the truth was the one telling the truth and not the career politician <laughs> Shocking. who would have thought? thought that um and you know there will be something else i'm sure in a few weeks that calls into question everything and everyone will forget about this victory and then a few weeks after that something else will happen uh that goes in my favor and they'll forget about the other thing and it just it just is like yeah yeah. So, you know, this is this is important. It's important for the people of Florida to understand. I will say one thing is, is that um, Carlos Guillermo Smith uh, being involved with it has helped to shine some light on it in the state of Florida because he is somebody who's got a, a, 
a good platform as well. Uh, and he's, you know, involved in amplifying it. So hopefully we can keep this incredible, horrible, you know, breach of transparency front and center as people continue to work against the DeSantis campaign, um, as well as like the horrible thing that Christina Pushaw did. And I saw that you had posted about that. And it's, it's really too bad that not a lot of people know enough about that, about just what a horrible operative uh, she is and the lengths that DeSantis will are, is willing to go to, to defeat and discredit people who are, you know, have information against him. I mean, that's the the scary part of this whole thing, frankly. But they, and they do it. It's not just me. I may have been like kind of the first sign that something was off, but um, there is a substitute teacher in Duval County that we've mentioned a few times. Oh, I don't know why I'm blanking on his name. I want to say it's Brian um, something Comey, Brian Comey. Um, who filmed the empty bookshelves because they were ordered right. to remove all the books until they had, you know, been screened uh, during the book banning thing. And oh my God, they are still attacking that guy. This is literally just a teacher filming an empty library and be like, this is insane. They made a propaganda right. video about him. He got fired from his job. Um, they still falsely claim that no books have ever been removed from shelves and that it's all propaganda and somehow it's Kamala Harris's fault. I don't, it's insane. Um, but yeah, to people, regular people who are like, this is not right. They will do everything in their power to try to crash. And they use kind of the same methods every single time. Right. And most people see through that. I mean, there's a reason why I still have the platform that I have. Uh, but People who are maybe more impressionable and more easily believe things that they see, they read online, which I mean, at this point, you really shouldn't believe anything you read online. Um, you know, there's that, well, that's think, a very real thing that happens. I think it's just easily gets lost in the shuffle, right? Unless you're really following along, like, you know, and they just go, you know, you're, you're sitting over there going, hey, 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 look at the stuff. And they go, don't listen to her. She's crazy. And that's the narrative that gets kind of brought to the top. And then people go on with their day. I mean, that's what makes what Christina Pouchon and Ron DeSantis have done so insidious is because it's just we're all struggling to survive. And if they discredit these these folks who are speaking out against what's happening, then their narrative can very easily rise to the top. Yep. Um, that reminds me of that quote that I read last time. If you can't hide or destroy the truth, surround it with bullshit. You can always kill it later. And with that, we are going to get into, um, talking about a very specific piece of propaganda that's been out there, um, that I heard about and I saw being, posted and reposted by major networks, influencers, actors. My son even came home and had heard this rumor and believed it because other people are telling him they saw it on the news. So he thinks it's true. And yeah. that is that um, Hamas was decapitating babies. Now, 40 babies to be precise. Yes. So I have to say this um, first that you know what hamas their attack on israel saturday um 
was vile and disgusting and they killed about, I'm not sure if it's gone over yet, a thousand mostly civilians um, who did nothing wrong and were innocent. And when, as they were doing this, blowing up things and shooting at buildings indiscriminately, you know, they, they killed children. They did. And that's sick and awful and um, indefensible. But to say, to make up this rumor that they were decapitating babies is an intentional and particularly nefarious thing to do. Anytime, and we talked about this with Ukraine and Russia. Anytime there's war, there's going to be lies. I mean, that is half of winning a war is winning, you know, the morale, getting the allies. And when Americans and the rest of the world heard that Hamas was decapitating babies, um, that is such a unthinkable, unspeakable, awful thing that you can't help but feel like these people must be evil. They must be destroyed. Right. right. And even if you are have a tendency to be like, we must destroy Hamas, there's too many people who are comfortable with all of the casualties that would result in destroying Hamas, which of course would be the people living in Gaza. There's about 2 million people there, just over half. So over a million of them are children. And so far, um, independent sources have said more than 500 children have been killed in Gaza from the Israeli airstrikes. They're indiscriminately bombing buildings as well. Mm -hmm. On the first day of their attack back into Gaza, they blew up a hospital. You know, Doctors Without Borders was basically pleading them to take hospitals, you know, off of the map. Like they don't think it's okay to bomb hospitals or schools, which I thought a week ago everybody agreed about. Um, no, but the part of the thing it, that makes this dis disinformation so dangerous is that what it does is it reinforces the dehumanization of the people in Gaza. So yes. when you can describe them, and I've heard people say they're, they're animals, we need to wipe them off the map. And when there's this kind of description of an act that's so abhorrent, it justifies that response of and dehumanizes them further and allows for the perpetuation of further violence against them. And that's because one of our base instincts as humans is to protect children. Um, Jim Stewartson, who you know tracks QAnon and all this stuff, he's done a lot of good work about how traumatizing imagery or um, ideas of imagery make people more susceptible to joining these crazy fringe cults. That's why QAnon uh, was able to get a foothold in America is because they were sharing imagery of, you know, children being trafficked and, you know, saying that there was a blood drinking vampire celebrity cult hiding in the basement of a pizza parlor and they must be stopped because they're hurting children. And people whose natural inclination, like I would hope most of us is, is if children are innocent, we must protect them, um, are more susceptible to disinformation when they're in that emotional state. Uh -huh. And the brutality of what happened at the you know, in Israel well, this past weekend was horrific enough without having to invent anything else. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately, I think lying about this is actually going to take away from just how horrific the attack actually was, because now people will recognize that some of that was 
not true. And so if that wasn't true, what else is not true? That is how the natural progression of this goes. And what happened was actually, I mean, it was barbaric and we could have left it at that. You know, we didn't need to add anything worse to it. It was bad enough by itself. But of course, so the rumor officially started off on Tuesday after the attack and um, was able to trace it all the way back to where it started. And it originally was a story about hundreds of children that were decapitated, the implication being that they were alive and their heads were cut off, you know, manually um, in front of their parents as a form of, you know, torture and evil. And that's what it started with. Um, the circumstances around that are, are quite different in reality. So it was actually a almost brand spanking new reporter out of grad school from Alabama <laughs> of all places who's never covered war or been in any kind of field situation whatsoever um, working for I-24 News, which is a known Netanyahu propaganda adjacent network, interviewing an IDF soldier who mm -hmm. told her um, that there were many beheadings of babies in the attack. Um, that is where it started. That was the right. first mention of any beheadings or babies in any of the press was on with that reporter's feet. No one has questioned that killing more than a thousand people would also include infant mortalities, that children had died. And indeed, pictures have been spread online of dead children. And this, of course, is coming a lot from the Israeli government's official account, which okay. I thought strange because they made a big deal about asking everybody else not to share these specific photos. Don't share photos of the victims. Don't share videos of the victims. Don't share anything from, you know, Hamas's, you know, um, hostage taking situation. And then they started publishing some pictures. Mm -hmm. So I, I unfortunately for this felt like I needed to actually go through them all and make sure that they're what was in there. There were no decapitated babies. There were mutilated babies. There were burned babies, injured babies, a lot of dead babies. It was not something I really wanted to look at. Um, and yeah, it even within me, try, trying my best to look at this as a job. I feel this very sick, like almost visceral reaction to someone must pay for this. And that is what they're looking to capture. Right. But um, so after looking through all of these and not seeing that, I want to find every single statement that the IDF, the Israel um, government, has put out about this. And they have not in any way, shape or form substantiated any like allegation of beheadings of children. Mm -hmm. The closest that anyone has come to that is by saying that children were mutilated in the attacks, you know, through bombings and bullets but cannot verify and won't confirm that children were actually being beheaded like one by one. Mm -hmm. um, and so it seemed like there was enough evidence when the IDF is even denying it to say, okay, this is completely substantiated. It should not be repeated like it's true. The IDF doesn't have evidence of it. Nobody has evidence that this happened except for one reporter speaking to one soldier, you know, right. in kind of obtuse terms. But then... Uh, yesterday, President Biden was making a speech about uh, the United States standing with Israel in this response. And he said, and I'll quote it here to make sure that I'm exactly 
clear. Um, one sec. I thought I had it up and I did not. Because the exact wording really does matter. He said, I never really thought that I would see and have confirmed pictures of terrorists beheading children. Two things are happening in that statement. One, okay, you could say hypothetically, oh, he said, I never really thought I'd see. So that doesn't necessarily mean he see. That was the implication there. Saying that he saw the pictures and that additionally, there were confirmed to have pictures of terrorists beheading children. That kind of stuck me because before the days preceding this, like Tuesday and Wednesday, and you know, we had pretty much settled that this was not true. And then Biden's coming out and saying that he personally has seen photographs of this happening. And so I was like, well, shit, you know, if he's, he's not going to go out and say something like that and it's not true, you know, like he's not going to lie about and say he saw something that he didn't. Well, <laughs> um, about two hours later, um, after being pressed by members of the media about what exactly he saw, um, his administration clarified on his behalf what he meant by it and walked back the comments. They said that Biden had been reading the same news stories that we were just talking about that were widely unsubstantiated and was told by the chief PR agent for Netanyahu that the pictures existed. He did not see them himself. So that's, there's a completely different thing between saying, I spoke with the prime minister's spokesperson, which is not really a military person or someone I would trust, you know, on behalf of a notoriously corrupt vice um, prime minister. Um, that, and he said they've confirmed it and saying that I would see it. You know, there, that's a huge fucking difference. And maybe, you know, in the emotion of it, he knows, has some kind of, you know, professional relationship with this spokesperson or something and thought that they were trustworthy enough that if he says they have it, then they have it. And so he went with it. Mm -hmm. And that's going to come back to bite him in the ass because it's not true. And the way that they clarified it was, and this is what they NBC reported, they said, two senior administration officials said Biden was referring to reports from Israel about beheaded children and cited several media reports about the beheadings. NBC News has not confirmed these reports. IDF spokesperson um, Major Spielman told NBC News that he cannot confirm that report and that there is no evidence whatsoever that this occurred. So what actually did occur? I guess that was what I was looking for. I was like, okay, so he said that he saw them and he didn't see them. Now he's saying that Israel's, you know, prime minister is saying that he saw them and that they've published these online, but the pictures that they published online, and I know because I went through all of them, don't show that. Right. So what the fuck did happen? So after a lot of kind of public inquiry is like, this isn't seeming like it's true and we all covered it. So can you tell us what's going on? Um, he's the prime minister's spokesperson said toddlers and babies were found, um, with their, end quote, heads decapitated after Hamas's attack over the weekend, which then kind of fell under again to while while bombings were occurring, you know, some children lost limbs, were mutilated, um, you know, other horrible things happened to their bodies, which is not, which is categorically not the same thing as going through and beheading children one by one. 
That is right. not the same thing. And so now it's all started to kind of fall apart. Um, then the Jerusalem Post added a story quite similar to Biden's in which they reported that these photographs of decapitations were shared with um, Secretary of State Blinken and um, that he saw them. I read the whole story. I followed up with all of its leads. At no point in time does Blinken said that he saw any photographs showing that. Mm -hmm. um, photographs that they referenced, they said were all shared in these tweets. Clicked on it, same pictures I looked at before. None of it shows that. So it's been interesting to see like this story like die and come back, die and come back when it all started with just one person. Yep. One freshman reporter from Alabama working for a propaganda outlet during like this very intense kind of scene. You can watch the video where it originates from. Yep. I link to it in the post. Um, you know, interviewing all of these people. She clearly is doesn't realize that she's not supposed to say a lot of things that she says about like, oh, well, the Israeli government's protecting us and all, all this other locational stuff. It's like, girl, you're you don't disclose that kind of information on live TV unless you are inviting an attack. Like, just stop. But green, as green as they get. And it's talking to all these different people where it starts. Mm -hmm. And in vague terms, the soldier says this thing. And then almost five minutes later in her segment, she's the one who starts the whole, you know, babies being decapitated thing. Right. Um, or beheaded, rather, which is also different than decapitated, because that can happen accidentally or unintentionally. And so I was like, how does this story and why is it going yeah. so cool? And I actually had, unfortunately, a confrontation with a very good friend of mine who's Jewish earlier today about this. And I asked him, I said, why do you need this to be true? With mm -hmm. everything horrific that Hamas did, that everybody knows that they did, why do you need this specific thing to be true? And it, the conversation we had is very interesting and ended up with him calling me anti-Semitic, um, which was nice, uh, of course, falsely accusing me of supporting Hamas, which was another very strange thing um, because I don't see Hamas as being the Palestinian people any more than I see Netanyahu representing all Jews in the world. You know, that's not what this is, but at any rate, that's a thing we'll have to work out. But, uh, I was going back to some of the stuff that the Nazis did, unironically, during war as a justification for concentration camps. Right. And oftentimes they would exaggerate or even frankly lie about the vile things that they claimed Jewish people were doing. Right. And they did this because it makes people feel almost irrational, you know, unfocused hatred towards the people who are doing this. If we've got two places with decades, if not millennia of conflict that are both blowing each other up, you know, and it both have legitimate claims to doing why they're doing what they're doing. Um, one side's killing and beheading babies and the other side isn't. That makes it pretty clear whose side we should be on the people who are beheading babies. It is possibly one of the most horrific things that you could imagine a human being being capable of doing. Mm -hmm. Take an infant or a toddler and with your own hands, 
cutting someone the, the baby's head off. It, I mean, even the idea of it is so disgusting. I don't want to think it, you know, like that's how bad it is. Mm-hmm. So it makes them seem evil and not just evil, like yep. Ron Santis evil, but like something from hell or Satan or of, right. not of this earth evil and right. makes us more likely to support them. And right. those kinds of exaggerations and lies, the reason why Netanyahu's fueling it while his own IDF is shooting it down is because once it's out there, it's out there. They know that. It doesn't yep. matter if it's been debunked. Um, I, I know that. It's already been all over the place and people have heard it. So Yeah. It's um, whoever gets there first wins is pretty much the propaganda outlet. I mean, that's in Gables' fucking book right next to me. Uh, whoever gets there first wins. And... If, if they did that, I would probably feel more inclined to support more aggressive action than what I currently do. And that's just because I'm human and I'm a mom. But um, it's dangerous propaganda. Yep. And it is going, it serves no other purpose than to convince allies like us um, that leveling Gaza which now like Lindsey Graham has called for like a U.S. sitting senator flattening it, you know, any kind of other word that basically means erase all of those people, those 2 million people would feel more justified or that they deserve to die, even though they're not Hamas, they're Palestinian people. Not all of them are Muslim, but most of them are. Um, And that in itself is pretty evil is making something up so that you can convince other people that killing more children is the appropriate response. And it doesn't matter which side, if you can call it that, um, is doing it. Evil is evil. Killing children is wrong. And I thought a week ago, we all agreed about that. Um, Apparently not. Apparently a lot of my liberal friends are siding with my very conservative friends, which is very odd. In saying that, you know, the children of Gaza deserve death. Mm-hmm. That is disturbing. It's disturbing that you can't say that Palestinian children don't deserve to die. Yep. That if you literally just said nothing but Palestinian children do not deserve to die. You will immediately get flooded with a lot of accusations of you being anti-Semitic, Um, A lot of they deserve it or that's the fault of Hamas. Anything other than saying you're right, Israel should try not to kill children. Um, You know, Hamas should not kill children and neither should Israel. So let's stop killing children. We can't even agree on that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's almost equally reprehensible to to use something like that when you know it's Mm -hmm. not true. Absolutely. Yeah. Having this opinion apparently has made me quite the controversy of the last few days but i i mean i literally i've been talking to people who are longtime supporters of mine is like how could you say that they killed babies i was like yeah they did um they didn't go through and behead them and i thought we were people who said truth still matters even when it was inconvenient to us because i spent a long time fighting alongside the truth when it was very fucking inconvenient to me (laughs) to do it um and I would hope that no one would expect anything but that from me. And I'm also, yeah. you know, bleeding heart liberal, save the children, all that fun stuff. And that includes all children. I don't care which side of an invisible country border 
they are yeah. leaving one, their children, they don't deserve to die. And the current death count of children right now in Gaza since um, the retaliatory attacks started uh, again from Israel is over 500. And the 40 that they cited in the Hamas attacks on Israel were all of the children, not 40. It wasn't 40 beheadings. That was the total number of children that were killed out of a thousand. Um, and I've seen pictures of almost every single one of them. And it's, it's heartbreaking and it's horrible. And it's also heartbreaking, horrible when it happens to, you know, 500 Arabic children as well. Yep. And, and in a 2023, that's a controversial opinion, which just fucking blows my mind. But yeah, um, I, I agree that I've seen that a lot too. There's been strife. And if you are talking about or discussing anything related to why it is that Hamas was in this situation, what is the geopolitical components of this strife and the conflict between Palestine and Israel, uh, you become very politically unpopular very quickly. And it's kind of interesting. I think I was kind of chuckling when you said that you had these um, these uh, liberal folks and then the far right people joining hands on this. And uh, because that's actually part of where the political divide has come in, um, there's a huge component of uh, Democrats. I mean, this is, used to be just something it was unequivocal, right? But as many people on the left have wanted to see actual parity and democracy for all people and not just some people, uh, there's been a growing free Palestine movement. And I'll say something that I've noticed within the discussion that's happened over the last week with this is that I also see a growing divide, especially in the, the liberal and the left de democratic space between how people of color and how otherwise elite white uh, Democrats feel about this. Um, it, I've seen people, uh, especially black Americans feel an understanding of what it must be like to be Palestinian. And there's also a wave of distrust for the institutions, right? And if you see the Israeli state as the institutions, right? And you see the Palestinians as the oppressed people, people in this country who have expressed, have experienced oppression throughout their life and their family and their history are far less willing to take the institutional response, right? They, they are willing to listen and appreciate the position through which the oppressed people are coming from. So yeah, I think and there's going to be more conflict on this. I think it's also, we need, there's a certain kind of delicacy when we talk about this issue, not to equate Gaza or even Palestine with Hamas. I mean, we're talking about a you know rule by force that's been in place since 2007. Um, Netanyahu is like the longest serving prime minister in Israeli history and is also considered the most far right extremist um, prime minister in the country. And uh, he has been called, you know, the Trump of uh, the Middle East. He's a bad guy and been accused of a long you know, list of crimes. And there are a lot of people in Israel because he's not an elected official um, that don't like him. They, I mean, I got an email today from someone who lives in Israel, they're an Israeli American, 
absolutely loathes him and thinks that, you know, the, some of the responsibility lays at his feet. Okay. And even and that, I had this like instinct to repulse to be like, no, no. Okay. We're, I don't want to talk <laughs> about every historical, cultural, religious influence that got us up to this moment because yeah. what Hamas did was slaughter innocent people. And that is wrong. Palestinians didn't do that. Gaza didn't do that. Hamas soldiers did that. And that is wrong. Israel as a nation responding to that by blowing up hospitals and killing hundreds of children is also wrong. All this, you know, religious shit, I don't even get into it because you can't have a logical or fact-based debate the second that religion pushes its way into an argument. It's just kind of like, all right, done. Um, like my husband and I just, getting in constant fights over the um, legitimacy of arguments for intelligent life out in the universe. As soon as he starts saying God stuff, I was like, okay, bye. We're, we're, we're not having a conversation because you think that God somehow makes aliens not real and that's ridiculous. And I can't argue with something that's non-tangible and non-provable or disprovable or whatever. But, um, you know, this the attack was not carried out by Gaza or even Palestinians. It was carried out as from militants from Hamas. And by saying, you know, getting into the whole, you know, Israel has for decades, um, which is very true and very real, been an oppressive regime and pretty much forced Gaza into what they call an open air prison. Um, and the settlement. Israeli government made those choices, which you can say are wrong. That does not mean that any of the people who were killed in that attack deserved to die. Sure. And I feel like when people who are traditionally pro-Palestine start talking about the situation, they need to be cognizant that they're not doing the thing they're accusing the other people of doing, which is saying that they deserve to die because, you know, they're part of a nation that is brutalizing them. It's like, some of these things, if you took out who they're talking about, you could not tell which side they're on. If you removed Israel or swapped Israel and Palestine, it could apply to either situation. And that to me seems to be the biggest disconnect. Like, I almost wanted to do this experiment, but I thought it was exploitative. Um, so I didn't do it. But there are tons of pictures of dead children in both places out there online. And I thought, what if I shared one of these pictures and didn't tell people which side of that border they were on. You wouldn't be able to tell because it seems like if I were to post a dead child and say, this is a dead Palestinian children child following Israeli non, you know, like indiscriminate bombing of hospitals, I would get attacked by pro-Israel people being like, well, Hamas should have thought of that. <laughs> but if I posted one of a, you know, one of the children killed in the attack by Hamas this past weekend, all sympathy. And some people being gross and saying things like, well, they deserved it after everything Israel's done. And so to me, that disconnect, it's like you're saying only some children's lives matter. Right. No matter which side of this you're on. And there are many, there are more than two sides of this, many different sides of this. Right. It should not fucking matter. Kids are kids. They're off limits. And yeah, in war, there are going to be casualties when you blow up buildings. Um but maybe that's why we should not be blowing up buildings. Just a just a suggestion. We just stop blowing shit up. You won't see any, you know, children die. Um, and it's it's almost makes it impossible to talk about, which is kind of the point. Right. Like there's such like 
this visceral reaction, almost belligerent reaction. Anytime you share anything, mm -hmm. especially in America, if you're saying, you know, what's happening to the Palestinian children is not right. They're going to beat you down so much that you don't want to talk about it anymore. Right. And, I mean, that's what they try to do with me. Anytime something comes my way or anybody supports me, they try to harass them into silence. That is an incredibly effective tool. And I, I mean, it's, but it's the same playbook. It's the same fucking propaganda playbook. Yeah. And I don't find any of this ironic. Um, that's a word that's being thrown out there very grossly. Um, people pointing out the supposed irony of Israel mimicking behavior of those who did the same to them. Mm -hmm. I think have that many people dying all over the place because of this you shouldn't be taking cheap shots by calling it ironic um it's just very hard to discuss when things are like this emotionally sensitive right. moment. like even my one of my best friends in the whole wide world who knows me more than anything who's jewish and is a you know pro-palestine freedom person didn't like that I was talking about it because he thought even talking about any Palestinian who's being killed is disrespectful to what Israel experienced. Right. And I was like, I don't know what you want me to do with that. I don't know how I'm supposed to respond to that. Because mm -hmm. right now, the prime minister of Israel is calling for the extinction of Palestine or for Gaza rather. Um, and he's using these lies like decapitated babies to justify it. Right. And yes, the United States has already delivered weapons to Israel to continue killing children in Gaza. Right. And you expect me just to not speak because any speech saying, I think we should slow the fuck down and try de-escalation is disrespectful to people that Hamas killed. And while I can appreciate that viewpoint, I was like, you know me better than that. You know that I'm not going to be quiet if I think something is wrong, especially if I know that something is false. And that's unfair to tell any person to do. It's like, so whatever Israel does ever again in the future is beyond criticism because something right. very horrible happened to them. And I don't, I don't think that's appropriate or fair. Yeah. I agree. And it's, it, this has so been so emotionally charged and it's very interesting. I think, um, that we don't see this in other conflicts, right? People were not as emotionally charged as Ukraine when Ukraine was invaded. Um, and I think it's because there's a significant relationship between the United States and Israel. I think it's because there's many dual citizens. I think it's also because there's a huge political component to it. One of the very first things that happens when you get elected to Congress is APAC offers you a trip to Israel. Senator Cory Booker was there uh, when the attacks happened, right? So we have this kind of political and media landscape where there are significant pro-Israeli forces. And I think it is a good time to kind of have a reckoning with that, like under, at least understand it. I'm not going to go, like you said, the, it's not like they're not controlling these things, but there's influence, right? And that means that the responses that happen are different for us and yeah it does stifle the conversation and yeah people are 
very upset and reacting in ways that I haven't seen people react to conflict uh, before. I had actually a, a friend of mine uh, and her husband who was Jewish, she's not Jewish. And, you know, um, they're kind of having conflicts about this as well. They have Jewish friends that are upset because she was talking about Palestine. So this is, this is a very, um, very fraught situation. And I think that within the context of what we're talking about here, right, the disinformation nation, I think it's so important for us to be reflective on that. Why? Why are so many people emotionally ginned up about this other country that like most Americans couldn't find on a map and have no idea about, right? Like, why are we so emotional about this? Because we have to be asking ourselves, why is it that we're tuned to that? right? Who, who has put us in this position where we're going to have this reaction to it because it matters. And I think more broadly, I'm the, the whole reason the 40 babies thing really struck me is I was worried that how quickly this came out and went around and how emotional people became about it and how quickly people moved to the dehumanization of Palestinians because of it. And I think that there is a really, really huge risk that we have here of more disinformation in relation to this conflict to persuade us and to, you know, make move public opinion towards really, really damaging ends overall. Yeah, and they're using a lot of politicians right now are trying to capitalize on this and they're using very dangerous rhetoric. I mean, not that Ron DeSantis, you know, is ever a model of how you should be as a leader. Um, you know, he just tweeted that we must stand with Israel as they eradicate using the word eradicate Hamas. I was like, you know, who else used that word? Hitler. So and with H. yeah, this is like the type of shit that leads to hundreds of thousands of people being murdered. And, and one thing I want to say on this too, because this Ron fucking, let me add in here too. Ron DeSantis is a fucking Nazi sympathizer who said jack shit never spoke out against the Nazi protests in his own goddamn state. So this is that's part of the weird shit that's happening with the right on this because they love Israel but they don't like Jewish people and yeah there's a lot of the white supremacy and things like that but Byron Donald put out uh, an email fundraising and calling out George Soros in like a very anti-Semitic fundraising email. I know. Right. But like, so there's this weird thing where they're so pro Israel because they're hawkish on this, but they're also anti-Semitic, very bizarre. But my point was that the reason I'm super wary, right. Is because if you look back at the history of genocide around the world, Israel has already done so many things that are very, very close baby steps towards genocide, right? Putting people into compounds as they have in Gaza and the, the widely known to be illegal settlements in the West Bank. So these are the precursors. So like everybody needs to take a moment and say, whoa, whoa, whoa what's going on, and the dehumanizing language. So if you take that, you take the imprisonment, you take the settlements, and you take the dehumanizing language, and and, and you have the, the very basic components of a publicly justified genocide. And I think that is what is scaring observers. That is what people 
who find themselves in the, the the free Palestine camp have been talking about that have been ignored because there's this, you know, very emotional push on the other side. So I'm not making accusations as to where this is going to go. I am just asking for everybody to take it very seriously in terms of the actions that the Israeli state has taken. Because not only do they have Netanyahu, but they have him in a coalition government with the far right factions who have been pushing more and more settlements. Okay. And, and make sure that that dehumanizing language is pulled out of the lexicon and called out when it's used, because that is what, permits further violence and i think it's a lot of misunderstanding too in our our language about like when i'm talking about israel as the nation i'm talking about it the same way i do the united states i'm talking about its government its public officials its leaders you know those type of people i'm not talking about jews and failing to understand that i think is a major one of those communication disconnects it's like i can disagree with netanyahu who is a legitimate corrupt far-right extremist and not be talking about Jewish people. Those are not synonymous. And by trying to force them to be synonymous, you're doing exactly what Netanyahu wants you to do, which is say, if you don't support Israel, you don't support Jews, Um, which is something you'll see on social media a lot right now. And that's not true either. I mean, it's, it's crazy to me, like, how I can go from being somebody who's constantly pointing out the ridiculousness of anti-Semitism to being vilified as an anti-Semite for saying that there's no justification for killing children anywhere ever. Um, And so it's very bizarre and media doesn't help. Although I will say that I was going to bring up the whole um, Egyptians giving the warning to Netanyahu's administration before the attacks came, which initially Netanyahu flat out denied. Um, turns out they've changed their minds about the recollection of events. And they did, in fact, receive and then ignore the warnings about the attacks that the Egyptians had sent to them, warning them that, you know, they were amassing uh, weapons and that they were on the move because, you know, Gaza borders Egypt. Mm-hmm. And um, they thought some kind of attack was imminent and they received that alert and ignored mm-hmm. it, um, which, again, they flat out denied in the beginning. And then people found out and got the transmissions and they were like, yes, we did receive that, but we didn't think it was actionable, blah, blah, blah. And so that is twice now that this administration, just in like the last two days, has been caught lying about something very, very important. And again, I think the lies are going to end up taking away from the brutality of what actually happened, which was horrible enough without making anything up. Huh. And um, it kind of reminds me of post 9-11, huh. like yeah. the hatred of Muslims that kind of permeated throughout the whole country and the bloodthirst, you know, that got us into two unjustified wars Right. Um, against nations instead of, you know, just Al-Qaeda like it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's where they're trying to basically use right now is to manipulate people's emotions so that you want blood and you don't care whose it is. Right, right. And I'll say that um, I've seen a lot of uh, 
correlational language talking about how Hamas and ISIS are similar, right? And that these are ISIS-style attacks. That's what and Biden think, said when yep. he repeated the lie about the beheading, which his staff then had to say, well, he didn't actually see it. Someone told him it exists, which is the what every single source has been saying about it. And I was like, who saw it? <laughs> like, well, we heard that. I was like, no, no, no. Did you see it? The same Did thing. you see it? No. Nope. Someone else heard Who? Take me to that person. Did you see it? No, I, I heard it from someone else. Take me to that person the whole fucking way back. And yep. it turns out that's how you find out things aren't real. That's the job of a journalist. So, <sighs> yep. Yep. And I did the very same thing too. And I'm like, eh. I will say that a few of the major news, uh, CNN did say this has not been independently verified. So some of them, you know, put that statement out. Uh, and that's good. Right. But unfortunately, by simply been out there. It had already been out there and giving legs to it, you know, by talking about it and, you know, the headlines and stuff were, were everywhere. So that, you know, basically further justified it and, you know, gave it the legs. So, but yeah, I'm worried about the correlation with ISIS because I think that will just piggyback off this anti-terrorist thing, da, 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 da enrolls that into that discussion and i think it actually makes it more likely that this is going to end up being a regional conflict which is problematic as well yep and um yeah it's the whole thing is it's not like, going a big fucking shit show it's the same thing that's going on now the other two the speaking of stupid misinformation related to this you know i've also seen trump supporters say things like oh there was peace in the middle east under trump which was fascinating like they think that the the agreement that kushner had had <laughs> had uh borrowed you know whatever he did what made any inference oh, but yeah, I will of course say- there was the brief period in which Biden was being blamed for the whole six billion Iran thing, which is false. That was there, false. But for the things that, on well, the most part, the media has been really good at like the six billion Iran um, dollars, and then their cooperation with it, finding it out and correcting it very quickly. This one, a few outlets have referred to it as unsubstantiated, but so far, only Al Jazeera and NBC News have flat out called it false. Mm-hmm. And I expect, you know, that's recent. Um, I expect that to increase, but I mean, by then, so many people are just going to remember the headline and not finding out that it was a lie, um, and it'll be repeated. And some day, ten years, fifteen years from now, they'll be like, "Well, you know, Israel had to flatten Palestine because you know, Palestinians were decapitating Israeli babies," and that's what's going to happen because that's how things always happen, and it's not true. Yeah. But we live in a post-truth world. Also have to, I'm not going to get into it because he's fucking crazy, but Donald Trump's whole press conference on this was a wild fucking ride. I feel like half of Republicans need to see a map of Israel to see where like where Hezbollah is, which is, you know, not in the same part of Gaza and where the bulk of Palestine is, which is, you know, northeast of there. And it's like, they're not, Hamas and Hezbollah are not the same thing. Like, how do you, they don't even, they're not even in the same area. How do you not know this? Like, it's so frustrating, but it's an uncomfortable topic because it involves a lot of sensitivities to historical atrocious acts in connection right. with current atrocious acts. And it's hard. It's really hard. Um, but if where we can, 
we need to make sure that we're at least reporting these things truthfully. Yeah. Um, Israel is not allowing press into Gaza. Yep. What they say is for their own safety, but you know, they've done that before they've mm-hmm. kept blockades of press from going into Gaza. So pretty much only those reporters that were already in Gaza right now are going to be the ones that we get resources from. And I actually saw two of them on CNN. So I'm oddly enough defending CNN again. Um, They've made a hard right turn, so this is kind of surprising, but the whole thing is sickening. Um, It's just death. It's just hatred and death, and there's no winning in any of that. Right. You know, we can't agree on that, then I don't think that we're humans or that we're good people. And on that, let's end our show, because that is, like, solemn as fuck. (laughs) Yeah, this is like a topic that really needed to touch in. I'm glad that you decided to dive into this because this was a a glaring siren for me when it came to disinformation. And unfortunately, I think it's a bellwether of what we're in for because we see the the climate online too. There's you know regular people are kind of going after each other, but then there's plenty of other bots and and paid interests that are going on, and that will still play out. because, you know, kind of figuring out where it is that Russia and China fall on there. China just called for an independent Palestinian state. So, uh, you know, this this could be a really um, long drawn out thing. But just be super aware of what you see and what you consume online related and how to you topic. and what you repeat and how right. you say it. Because with the brevity of social media, not all of us are handling things as delicately as maybe we ought to. And these are the kinds of situations like Russia and Ukraine where you can't just right. throw something out there and then expect someone not to be offended. And when it involves religion, it's even worse. It is even yep. worse. Um, there's no reason within religion. So it, it becomes a whole other hot mess of things. And the fact is this, this has very real life consequences. People are going to die. A lot of people are about to die. And that should be managed with the balance and the gravity that it calls for. But hopefully next week we'll have some more exciting things that are not as morbid and horrible and awful to talk about. Um, Because certainly there's a good share of propaganda out there in the world everywhere, but these kinds of incidents make it quite prolific and in many cases very convincing. So... I looked at all those photos of babies, so you don't have to just know that. I would not, if you, if you don't need, if you trust us that we looked at them, don't look at them. They're, I don't know why Israel shared them. In the United States, when people are killed in mass shootings, when children are gunned down in Uvalde or Parkland or Sandy Hook, we don't, we've disagreed that we don't do it, um, but we don't. And for some reason, that standard has been thrown out the window with this attack. And there's a lot of things that we normally don't do or accept that seem to suddenly be doable and acceptable. And that concerns me as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Rebecca, for walking us through it and for taking a look at that and deep diving in this extremely difficult topic. Um, We appreciate you and sharing that with us, Rebecca Jones, Misinformational. See you next week, guys. All right. Thank you. So don't forget to check everything out. We have get a subscription to this for 99 a month on the Big Mouth Media website at BigMouthMediaFL.com. And we'll see you there. Thank you. Bye bye.
Thanks for joining this informational with Rebecca Jones, brought to you by Big Mouth Media. Stay connected by visiting misinformational.com and check out all the great shows and articles on bigmouthmediafl.com. You can also join the conversation with us on Facebook, Instagram, and the cesspool that's Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe to Misinformational wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.